Welcome to Utah Silvestre, a four-part mini-series of the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance's Wild Utah podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Juarez. Quick note for anyone who prefers to listen in Spanish, este capítulo está disponible en español. Para escuchar, seleccione el título del capítulo 1 en español. For me, it's the smooth, abrasive feeling of sandstone on my hands that first made me fall in love with Red Rock Wilderness. I was just 20 years old on a service trip in college when I had my first special moments of Encantada in slot canyons and on great stoic sandstone pinnacles. I'm always going to remember the wonder that filled my body as I imagined how powerful the water could be to form the hips and nooks in the slot canyons that I hiked through with fellow students. The moment that changed my life before I ever realized it was on top of a pinnacle that my peers and I hiked up after a day of sprucing up a public campsite and improving a trail to petroglyphs. In that moment, on top of this giant sandstone formation, I felt a sense of belonging unlike any other I had felt before. Our hike was to a high point in the landscape where we got a 360-degree view of the vast, wild sprawl of Red Rock Country throughout the San Rafael region. There, my heart spoke to me. It sounds corny, but it's what happened, and I'll never forget what it said. It told me, this is where I'm meant to be. This is home. Oddly enough, I'm a Utahn. My family is mestizo. Mexican, Hispanic, Chicano, we have a lot of names for ourselves, and that all fits me. Among all of that, I am through and through a proudly born and raised Utah. I've lived my whole life somewhere around the Great Salt Lake. Growing up, my summers and weekends were spent camping and picnicking with the family throughout the Ochre and Wasatch Mountains. I've always felt very at home in my community, and yet, it wasn't until this day in the San Rafael Swell that I felt an unmistakable sense of what it is to belong. My whole life, I had no idea that such an astounding place with the power to make these magical moments happen was just a few hours away from where I lived. I never knew that one could camp in the area, nor did I realize why anyone would want to. I had never heard of the Bureau of Land Management before then, and the term public land was totally new to me. 20 years in Utah with no idea about the massive amount of federally managed public land in the Southwest and how important they are for people, wildlife, and the global climate. It's a little Dora the Explorer to ask you, but I'll ask anyway. Do you know what I mean? When was the first time you heard of federal public lands? Since I'm not Dora, I don't know what you were just thinking, but my guess is that I'm not alone in this experience. In fact, I know it because I've listened to so many people across the country who share similar experiences. But you know what they say, knowledge is power. So we've created this podcast to give you the power to respect, enjoy, and protect nature in Utah. Whether you've been in Utah or another Western state filled with public lands for three weeks or three generations, there's still a good chance that public lands are a new concept. Take it from Rebecca Chavez-Hauk, 
who was a state legislator in Utah for 11 years. She served as the House Minority Whip and led the Utah House Clean Air Caucus. She told me that she grew up on a farm in Riverton, Utah. So my earliest recollections as a child being outdoors is being outdoors on our farm and exploring the canals and ditches of our farm as a young, young child where I would, you know, gather milkweed and caterpillars and watch them develop into chrysalises and then release the monarchs and collecting tadpoles from the ditches and the canals surrounding our farm in Riverton. And so since I grew up on a farm, we really didn't have a lot of opportunities to explore outside of that. I mean, we didn't have time to go camping. We didn't have time to go to a national park because my brothers and my dad and our family just worked nonstop. My now husband, with whom I was dating as a young adult, he's the one that took me to BLM land to go camping and to go hiking and to go river running and to explore the national parks and to realize that, you know, I was only five hours away from these beautiful red rock places. I just never knew that as a young child. But intrinsic to me is just this understanding that public lands, that the land on which we exist, there's no ownership of that. It is just, we have to care for it. There is that just strong feeling of stewardship that I was raised with as a very young child. So that is my personal connection, is ingrained in me, it's in my DNA. Utah Silvestre podcast is about the foundational aspects of public land and the ways conservation is ingrained in Latino cultural DNA. In this podcast, we will learn how the mountains and deserts of Utah are federally owned public land, what that means for each person living in the U.S., and the role that wild, natural places play for our communities and the planet. If you are encountering the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance, also known as SUA, for the first time, you might be wondering, what are public lands anyway? Doesn't BLM mean Black Lives Matter? This episode will answer all of that. I'm going to break it down into four points for you. Number one is about federal lands. Most of the mountains and deserts of Utah are federal public lands. You know when you're driving into a canyon and see the cute brown sign that says National Forest in yellow cursive? That is an indicator that the forest is managed by the United States Forest Service, a government agency within the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Federal public lands include national forests and a lot more. Bureau of Land Management lands, national parks, national monuments, national conservation areas, national recreation areas, wildernesses, wilderness study areas, wildlife preserves, and many other rivers, lakes, and valleys that bring life and joy to more creatures than we can count, us humans included. In Utah, about two-thirds of the entire state are federal public lands. Approximately 42% of the public land in Utah is administered by the Bureau of Land Management. There are other kinds of public lands, too state and local lands, such as state parks or the parks in your community. Just keep in mind, these are not the kinds of public lands we're talking about. 
Rebecca says the difference is in the level of government. So you kind of think about the nation as a whole. You think about your local state. You think about your county. And then you think about the city. And we interact and we experience and we utilize all of these different places, these green spaces, uh, these resources that benefit us in different ways. Number two is about the BLM. BLM of Black Lives Matter, which you already may know, is also shared by the Bureau of Land Management. This federal government agency administers the majority of the desert valleys, Red Rock Canyons, and remote mountain ranges in Utah. The Bureau of Land Management is an agency within the U.S. Department of the Interior. SUA specifically works on protecting the wild landscapes managed by the BLM, which is why you hear us talk about the BLM or the U.S. Secretary of the Interior quite a bit. The Bureau of Land Management consists of people who are government employees and appointed officials to manage Utah's deserts for multiple uses. It is their job to make sure that the public's interest in what happens on these lands is represented and possible. It's not an easy job because the different things that different people want for or from the landscapes are not always compatible. For better and for worse, there is a diverse variety of activities people wish to see happening on public lands. They range from protecting wildlife habitat and clean air and water, to recreation, to science, to cultural traditions, to extraction, and other kinds of business. Number three is about public land ownership. Public lands and really all land that we occupy, were first stewarded by Native American tribes in the region and the indigenous people here before them since time immemorial. The public lands that SUA advocates for are the ancestral territories of the Ute, who are the namesake of Utah, the Diné, or Navajo, Hopi, Paiute, Goshute, Northern Shoshone, and Pueblos. When the government moved westward, occupied Western territories, and eventually started adding states to the United States of America, many tribes moved to their current day reservations. Much of the open landscapes throughout the West became part of the public domain. These lands remain essential for the culture and livelihoods of many indigenous people today. People will say that public lands are owned by the federal government. They are, after all, administered by a government agency. Public land ownership, however, matters from the people's perspective. After all, who makes up the United States federal government? That's you and me, taxpayers and community members, all of us. We constitute the United States federal government. So really, public lands are entrusted to everyone in America. They are the shared herencia or inheritance of Americans living in the present passed down by the generations of people before us. They also belong to the people who are not here yet, future generations. No matter where you are from, if you call somewhere in the U.S. or one of its territories home, public lands belong to you. When I talk about ownership, though, I don't speak with the same meaning that comes with owning property. In reality, 
We owe our lives to the landscapes held in public trust. The existence of public land in its natural state is essential for our air, water, wildlife, and having a healthy future free from increased drought, heat waves, hurricanes, flooding, and uncontrollable wildfires. In more than one way, we belong to the land, not the other way around. Yet, the practice of the Commonwealth through shared public land ownership is part of the great American experiment. In other countries, if you want to have any say of what happens in a land area, you better hope you're the current or prospective property owner. But that's not the case with public land. It is the Bureau of Land Management's duty to administer public land in ways that represents public interests. When you hear from SUA asking for you to give public comment on some BLM plan, we ask this because the agency has to consider public input. It is their legal obligation to all of us. It's important for everyone to be involved in the advocacy for public lands. And when you think about the different jurisdictions that I mentioned earlier, you know, city level, county level, state level, U.S. federal level, we all have individuals that are elected officials that represent us. When you make your wishes for the future of the natural world known, it matters. Being vocal about what you do and don't want to see happening on public lands makes all the difference between whether a quiet, natural place stays that way or becomes something else, like a methane gas extraction site, for example. Everybody is allowed to comment on the Bureau of Land Management's activities. One common way of doing this is by submitting a public comment during a public comment period for a project affecting public land. Anytime a project impacts the wildlands of Utah, that's when you're hearing from SUA. Number four is about wilderness. Wilderness is the type of public land conservation that's the subject of all of the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance's advocacy. These are the places of clean air, starry night skies, a diversity of indigenous cultural sites that are used today, as well as archaeological sites from as long as 11,500 years ago. Wilderness is filled with healthy wildlife habitat, the sounds of the rocks, water, and trees, and solace for anybody, human or not human, who so happens to be in that special place. With the global climate crisis ongoing, wilderness is also hugely important for protecting our communities from greater climate disaster. They provide all of the ecosystem's ability to be resilient as our region gets hotter and drier. Pinon juniper forests, for example, store carbon from the atmosphere into the soil and vegetation matter. The Western U.S. depends on the healthy existence of wilderness, so we, and everything living around us, can adapt while the Earth's climate becomes more extreme. The word wilderness describing America's wild natural landscapes, also has a legal definition, defined in U.S. law through the Wilderness Act of 1964. It's a place in its natural state protected by law through an act of Congress. The Wilderness Act enumerated a specific set of characteristics that a landscape needs to have in order to be permanently protected using this law. 
First, the area of land must contain at least 5,000 contiguous acre of roadless land. The land should appear to be affected primarily by the forces of nature with unnoticeable imprints from industrial or mechanical work. Second, the area should be recognized as irreplaceable for an unconfined type of recreation, like camping or hunting. Otherwise, it should contain ecological, geological, or other features of scientific, educational, scenic, or historic value. Wilderness is free from industrial activity. What you won't find in these areas are roads, lights, mines, permanent structures, and motorized or mechanized activity off of existing roads, as long as the area is protected by law. When it comes to wilderness, Rebecca says, It's not just about us. It's not about us as humans. We are part of ecosystems, and the flora and fauna can't advocate for themselves. That's part of our charge. And I know that when I think of Querencia, that our comunidad understands that, that they understand our connection to the natural world in a way that sometimes the dominant culture doesn't see that. And so that's why it's so, so, so important for us to share about the intergenerational stewardship that many of our communities have in the Southwest in particular, and to share that. Unfortunately, not all lands in their wild, natural state are protected to remain that way. And what we have to share with you is that only designated wilderness areas and other kinds of national conservation areas are free from the fear of industrial development. 8.4 million acres of Utah's Bureau of Land Management territory is in its wild, natural state. Without full legal protection from oil and methane gas drilling, and other forms of impairments. So there you have it. Public lands explained for you in four main points. You're a public landowner and steward. Among the landscapes held in trust for you and all of us are some of America's last remaining red rock landscapes and high desert forests, existing in the same manner that they always have been, wild and free. Wilderness designation of a landscape recognizes the autonomy of the land and all that constitute it. And by autonomy, I don't mean independence, as if the natural world is meant to be free from human impact. That's far from the truth. By autonomy, I mean the land's right to perpetual becoming, free from being controlled and exploited. To pass an act of Congress designating wilderness is to recognize the earth as some body rather than something. These places are truly liberated. The sandstone retains the same freedom that the bighorn sheep, black bears, and lizards do. These plants, animals, minerals, and waterways deserve to exist and to be healthy. In fact, if these wild places are lost, our own health would diminish. Wildernesses are essential for protecting clean air, clean water, and all basic foundations to life. The more land that remains in its natural state, the healthier our communities are. Protecting wilderness is especially important for community health now because nature is disappearing at an alarmingly fast rate. The continental United States loses a football field's worth 
of natural areas every 30 seconds due to development. This has been ongoing for decades. The loss of nature means life is disrupted for people who are harmed by heat waves, raging wildfires, catastrophic storms, mega droughts, and environmental pollution every day. Because of racial and economic injustices, the people who are most affected are black, indigenous, people of color, or poor. It may have been this way for the past few generations, but we deserve better, and something much better is possible. Wilderness is about us as much as it is about animals and ecosystems. Internationally, scientists have recommended that all countries in the world commit to conserving half Earth, 50% of nature protected by the year 2050. So to get there, countries are now racing towards a shared goal called 30 by 30 to protect at least 30% of the land and 30% of the ocean in every country by the year 2030. Scientists say if we can do this, then we can avoid more severe climate change disasters and prevent species from going extinct. Protecting nature of all kinds in America will allow Earth's ecosystems to run their course, cycling air, water, and nutrition for all that is living and generations yet to come. Wilderness is one major category of the kinds of nature we need to respect and protect so we can thrive on our planet. Like fellow solutions to the climate crisis that are rooted in soil, such as organic farming, urban rewilding, and increasing the number and quality of open and green space in cities, wilderness is essential for achieving climate justice. Nature gives us life. Our quality of life is linked to the health of the biological community you can see directly from wherever you are right now, to the distant places that most of us only ever see in pictures or on a map. So from an ecological perspective, none of this technical vocabulary about public land management and who owns what really says much about the truth. The truth is, every moment of our lives depend on the water, air, and nutrients that the mountains, desert valleys, canyons, rivers, wetlands, and prairies on public land provide us. How could we live without these places and everything that they offer? Truly, we humans belong to the land, not the other way around. The environment of America's Red Rock Wilderness has provided food, water, shelter, and places for community since the beginning of time. Maybe rather than being public land owners, we should consider ourselves public land stewards. We are the land's caretakers. Rebecca said it best. There's the multi-generational care of land that we can bring to the table as Latinos through our lived experiences and what it means to us. You know, things like the medicinal quality of the plants and the earth that curanduras for generations have been bringing to us to keep our communities healthy. Those are the lenses, those are the experiences that are often not articulated and shared in these spaces of public lands conservation and preservation. So we bring so much and we just need to step into that space and not be fearful and not assume that perspective in its authenticity is not valuable. It needs to be brought forward.
It's going to take all of us to recognize, honor, and defend our sacred wildlands for the planet and for the opportunity for everyone to have their own special experiences like I was able to on that day so many years ago among wild sandstone vistas that made me feel like I belong. After all, our lives, not just people who live in Utah or in the Southwest, but everyone's lives depend on these places. So thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us for the rest of this mini-series. There are three more episodes of Utah Silvestre to follow. In the next episode, we're going to help you see wilderness everywhere you go in your daily life. Utah Silvestre and the Wild Utah podcast is recorded at SUA's main office in Salt Lake City on equipment purchased through the generosity of our members. SUA is primarily member-funded. Over 90% of our revenue comes directly from people who care for Southern Utah's Red Rock country. We're proud of that because it keeps our voice independent. If you can financially help protect Wild Utah today, please head to SUA.org and click the donate button. Thank you for your support. The theme music for Utah Silvestre is Quasi Motion by Kevin McLeod, featuring a red-winged blackbird. Cover art is by Mariela Mendoza. Editing is by Stephanie Garcia of Pro Artes Mexico and Laura Boroshevsky. The producer and co-host is Olivia Juarez. Co-hosting and Spanish translations are by Amy Dominguez. To stay informed about Hispanic and Latino-led wilderness advocacy, visit us at sua.org forward slash silvestre. We can't protect Wild Utah without you. To get involved, text the words Utah Silvestre to the number 52886 and follow the link. SUA is on Facebook, on Instagram and TikTok at Protect Wild Utah, and on Twitter at Southern UT Wild. Please follow us and subscribe to Wild Utah wherever you listen to podcasts. On behalf of SUA, I'm Olivia Juarez. Thank you for taking the time to listen. We hope you can join us for the next episode of Utah Silvestre.